Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. I hope you had a beautiful, joyful, meaningful and purposeful Passover. And um, we're back, we're back here getting our, our, our life back into, into normal. And this week we learned Parashah Aharet Mot. And there's a famous saying by Alexander Pope that says, to err is human and to forgive is divine. And this is a very deep quote, if you look at it, really. I remember my mother saying it when I was a young girl, when someone would do something that was not nice to me. She would always tell me, you know, Margie, human beings fail and to be forgiving is really comes from a divine place. It comes from your, your, your inner essence. And it's right on point on this parasha because parasha Haren Mod talks about Yom Kippur. Uh, it has a whole, whole portion about the service of the Kohen in Yom Kippur and it talks about human failure and how we are designed to fail. My teacher, Shimona Tsukernik, she used to tell this to us. She used to say human beings are designed to fail. So failure is not something that we have to take as a, a person did something wrong and that's the end of him. It's not nice to fail. It doesn't feel good to fail. It's 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 uncomfortable to be to be a person that sometimes fails. But in reality, if we look at it, everybody fails. Even at Sadik, it says that uh, that falls seven times in his lifetime and he gets back up. So failure really is not the end of the world. And uh, today. It's sad because failure today is uh, it's not seen as something uh, it's seen as something very bad that people just fail and that's the end of their lives and, and and it's not true it's not true and in this parasha we learn about this because Hashem gave us one day a year He gave us this year this day in the year in which we are forgiven for our mistakes and this Torah portion introdu introduces this day so. It says in Baikra 16:29 and 30, it says, and all this shall be as an eternal statute for you in the seventh month of the, the tenth of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and you shall not do any work, neither the native nor the stranger who dwells amongst you. For on this day, he shall affect atonement for you to cleanse you because God, you sh because before God, you shall be cleansed from all your sins. So in this Torah portion, it's telling us that Hashem forgives us for all our sins and, uh, and that, that it's in this special day. Our sages comment that a day like Yom Kippur is an act of compassion and mercy from God. Really, it's a gift that God gave us. It's, 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 a, it's an act of love. It's like when a parent forgives his child. He, he may punish him, he may have consequences for what he did, but at the end of the day, the parent's gonna hug the child and say, you know, I love you. Regardless, I love you. So this is a Yom Kippur. So we first need to understand that God created us with the ability to choose between right and wrong. This is something that we have. It says in the Talmud that when a baby is going to be born, everything has been decreed. If he's going to be beautiful or ugly, if he's going to be rich or poor, if he's going to be healthy or, or sick, God forbid. But the only thing that is, has not been decreed for this child is that he, he, an angel comes and he says, you choose to be righteous. Choose to be righteous. 
This is the only thing that really is not predetermined. This is something that really we, it has to come from us. We have free choice to choose if we're gonna be good people or bad people. That's it. That's all the free choice we have. So we, we all, we, we, the Sefer HaChinuch in Mitzvah 185 says, the message of this mitzvah is this, out of God's kindness towards his creatures, he fixed one day in the year for the atonement of their sins when they return in repentance. So from here we see that to be able to be forgiven, first we have to repent. It's a day in which we have to acknowledge our sins. We have to acknowledge what we have done wrong. And in the inquities of the creatures would accumulate if the inquities of the creatures would accumulate year by year, their measure would be full at the end of two years or three years or more, and the world would be liable for destruction. So if Hashem wouldn't have commanded one day of atonement and repentance and forgiveness, the whole sins of the world would be so much, too much for the world to carry and the world would, wouldn't be able to sustain itself. So does God bless be He sign His wisdom for the survival of the world for, to fix one day a year for the penitent, for the atonement of sins. So Hashem gave us Yom Kippur as an act of kindness because he wants us to repent he wants us to be near him he gives us the opportunity that's all he wants he wants us to acknowledge him and to say you know what i did wrong i'm sorry i'm i'm not gonna do it again so according to the torah and the verse we have read it says that on yom kippur god forgives all our sins yom kippur is an opportunity day to make amends for the poor choices we have made in our lives. So it is a day in which God forgives us for sins committed against him. This is Yom Kippur. But there's a problem. If you committed a sin against someone else, then Hashem cannot forgive you because it's not he can't forgive you for something you did to someone else. So it is also a day in which we ask forgiveness to other people that we have wronged, that we have made uh, done something that we have made them suffer. It's a time to call those people and ask forgiveness. And they are really, they should forgive you. This is a, a righteous person. This is a good, kind person. It says that if you go to a person three times and they, he doesn't forgive you, then he's not considered a good person. He's considered a, an evil person and your sin will be forgiven. So, so it says, but what happens if we are not aware of sins committed against God? Are we forgiven for those two? So many times we commit a transgression of the Torah without knowing that we committed a transgression. It can be that we are not, a, we, we, we don't know, we are not learned, we have no idea what we can do, what we cannot do, and we do it because we didn't know about it. Or sometimes we just say something unintentional to somebody that, that is not the right thing to say, that we're gonna hurt somebody, and we don't even realize that we hurt that person. So King David in Tehillim 1913 says, who can be aware of errors? Clean me of unperceived guilt. So it says here, so many of our sins are unintentional and have no malice behind them. Really, we don't do them because we want to do harm or do evil to anybody or to Hashem. Nevertheless, the world was created with a system of cause and effect. Everything we do has an effect, has a, a consequence, regardless of the intention behind our actions. 
And to explain this a little further and from a halachic uh, uh, law point of view, imagine that a Jew lights a, a stove top on Shabbat and this Jew doesn't remember it's Shabbat. He thinks it's Friday in the morning. He doesn't realize it's Saturday. He, he's miscalculating by one day and he goes and he lights this, the, the stove top creating fire. On Shabbat, this is a, a melacha. This is something that is forbidden on Shabbat. And he didn't realize it. Let's say he actually miscalculated the day and thought that, that Shabbat was Friday. And, uh, or, and so the question is, since he's completely oblivious of the day, or it can be that it's a person that has no idea about the laws of Shabbat. Can this transgression be defined as a wrongdoing? How would you perceive that? Did he did something wrong or did he didn't do something wrong? So if we look closer to King David's verse, again, who can be aware of errors? Clean me of unperceived guilt. So what it's saying here in the second part of this verse King David is suggesting that the presence of some guilt is very important because if we don't feel bad about something that we did, if we don't feel remorse, how are we going to correct it? You know, God forbid, you see people that cre cre do crimes, they kill people, and when they come to the court, they're completely unfazed and they show no remorse. They show like they didn't do anything wrong. There's no guilt inside of them. So this is the worst of the worst of the worst because a person that doesn't feel bad for his actions can never fix them. He can never correct them. And if he can never be correct, if he can never correct them, then Hashem can never forgive him. So to feel guilt is something that is healthy. You know, they call it the Jewish guilt. They make even jokes about it. And, um, and it's something that it's true. There's a joke, a famous joke of a mother that gives her son two ties as for his birthday gift, a red tie and a, and a yellow tie. Shabbat comes and the son comes with a red tie and he comes in and the mother says, no, you didn't like the, the yellow tie? This is so Jewish. But Jewish guilt really, in the right dose, is a, it's a good thing. It's something that creates a person, the awareness that he did something that was not right and it gives him the opportunity to change and to correct himself. So King David describes guilt and a need of correction even for unintentional or acts done by ignorance. So if a person, this is how you see it, what it's worse, if a person commits a crime, a, 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 a sin, unintentional without knowing, or if he commits a sin knowing that he did something wrong. So which one is worse? So in reality, the worst one is that when a person does something without, without knowing, because when it's unintentional, and he doesn't know he committed this sin, he can never feel that guilt and he can never correct himself. So it's better to know that you did something wrong, to feel the guilt and then get into action and start working on yourself. So yes, on Young Keeper, we are forgiven for even the sins we committed unintentionally. In the Young Keeper Maxer we find, and for the sin which we have committed before you, in, in, in intentionally or unintentionally, for all these God pardon, pardon us, forgive us, atone for us. So in the Maxor, there's a big list of sins, huge amount of sins, the ones we committed against our teacher, the one we committed against our parents, and maybe we didn't commit some of these sins in our 
in our year. Maybe we, we were not aware that we did them. That's why they're all listed there because some we did commit knowingly and some we committed unknowingly. So having just finished a beautiful holiday of Passover, of Pesach, in which we regained our freedom by becoming humble and open for growth and refinement, we're right now in the Sefirat HaOmer, it's the, it's the 49 days between Pesach and Shavuot, in which we are counting every night um, the, the Sefiras, the combinations of the Sefiras, in which we work on our midots, on our emotional attributes to refine ourselves. And, and here, uh, this whole month, this whole 49 days, including Pesach and before Pesach, that we were cleaning our houses to get rid of the Hametz, we are tremendously aware of our sins uh, and, our, and, and, and not falling into sin. And, uh, and, and, and we see from here that we are working on not falling again. So according to the Arizal, he wrote that one who is vigilant concerning even a trace of Hametz on Pesach is guaranteed not to sin the entire following year. At first sight, this statement is problematic. So what is the Arizal saying here? That a person that is very careful not to eat one trace of Hametz of leavened food on Pesach is guaranteed not to sin the whole year. What does this mean? It's a guarantee that you're not gonna talk badly to your mom or answer back or, or maybe, um, I don't know, do, do some melaha on Shabbat that you didn't realize you did or you ate something that is forbi for forbidden. It, what is it telling us here? How can it be that by being extra careful and not eating an 11 food on Pesach for eight days can protect us from, from falling the whole year? It also raises a question about free choice. If we are so good, so good, that we're not gonna be tempted to fall into sin, then where is the free will? There's no free will, because if we're not tempted, we're not choosing anything, we're just this robot that doesn't go any other way. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe, in his commentary of the Haggadah, gives us a different way of looking at the statement of the Arizal. And the Rebbe suggests that the Arizal, this great mystic uh, of, of, of Sfat, is talking about accidental transgressions. This is what he's referring to, since that we commit without knowing. So if we're careful on Passover with not eating any leavened food or possessing any leavened food, Hashem is going to protect us from falling into sins that we will be unaware of, that we will never know we committed. So to further understand this, one must delve deeper into different situations that make us transgress. Sometimes we do it voluntarily and sometimes we're forced into it without our consent. So what are the implications of these different scenarios and how much we, how must, how should we proceed? So broadly speaking, when discussing transgressions uh, of any of the 613 mitzvot, Jewish law recognizes two categories of non-deliberate action. One is called ones, which is a, a sin that is accidental and forced and that sometimes maybe you never even know about it. 
And the shohe, which is number two, is an unintentional, inadvertent, but not forced sin. So one is you're forced and the other one you're not forced. So an example of an honest would be that a person has been buying these veggie burgers that come packed and they, he's checking that it's vegetarian, he checks that it has the right uh, kosher symbol in it, and it's a, 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 a good symbol, has ashkaha, and he's buying it in the kosher store and he's making sure that these veggie burgers are kosher and then it happens to be like two years later that he's been eating these these uh, veggie burgers surprise surprise there's a huge uh, uh, balagan there's a, in the news there's a recall of these burgers the the rabbis have uh, found out that this factory has been cheating on them and they have been putting horse meat into these veggie burgers for their taste and they are taking them out of the market okay so this person did everything he had to do he checked that he had a reliable ashkaha he's been buying it in the right place he thought they were veggie burgers but nevertheless he's been eating horse meat for two years two years so what what how is he standing here did he commit a crime did he commit a, a sin how does he atone for this so the answer is that he has to do nothing in reality he didn't commit a sin because he did he was forced into it without his knowledge but we know as i said before that everything we do creates a, a, a consequence and eating non-kosher food sadly creates a blemish in the neshama uh, that needs to be cleansed needs to be cleaned so why did the question would be why did Hashem allow this to happen to me how did ever in my life something like this would happen to me and that is a valid question because Hashem made him fall he didn't take care of him. And this is what the Arizal is saying, that when a person is very careful in Pesach with not eating any hametz, then Hashem is going to take good care of him during the year that these type of things don't happen to him. He's going to be very vigilant. So the Alter Rebbe teaches us something very profound. And he says, what is forbidden, one must not. And what is permitted, one need not. So the, the his students delved on this, this quote, on this teaching of the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneur Salman of Yeliadi, for many months trying to understand what he meant, and then they came to understand what he was saying. And it is that in the Torah, there's a lot of things that are, 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 are permitted to us. But the question is, do we need them? And the Rambam, in his commentary of Parashat Kedoshim, which explains the way in which a person becomes a holy person, because Jewish religion is not a spiritual religion. It's not about being spiritual. It's about being holy. It's about being godly. It's about being in touch with your divine soul. So everything that we do in the Torah, all these 613 mitzvot that sometimes seem ridiculous to some people or to many of us, and we have to tap into faith to be able to, to fulfill them because there's no uh, intellectual uh, explanation about them. And nevertheless, we've been doing them for the last 3,500 years. 
the, the Torah is teaching us that there's things that are permitted, but they're permitted in a certain uh, structure, not the way we want to do them. So the Rambam, in this commentary, he says the Torah warned against the forbidden re sexual re relationships and the forbidden foods. But it permitted the cohabitation of a man and his wife and the consumption of meat and wine. So what it's telling us is, yes, you cannot be having relationships with everybody in the world, doing whatever you want. There's a certain uh, structure. You have to be married, you have to be with your wife, your wife has to be with you, you cannot be going around with other people, there's a certain amount of days in the month that are allowed because of the loss of Nida, it's not whenever you want, there's a certain proper way, you know, with food is the same thing, there's so many things we can eat but in the right context. So you can be a very kosher person, you can be a black hat, you can pray all day, but then you go to this restaurant in the middle of the week and you order the biggest steak of the house and you drink one, one bottle of wine by yourself and then you indulge in this humongous dessert by yourself. This is not holy. This is what the Alter Rebbe is saying. It's not that you cannot eat meat. It's not that you cannot drink wine. It's not that you cannot have uh, intimacy with your wife. You can. You can have all these things, but in the right context, with the right, in the right mindset. Like, yes, meat, don't eat the big 15-pound steak. Eat, eat the, a, 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 a normal size of, of, of meat, eat some salad, eat, eat normal, drink one cup of wine, one glass of wine. You don't need to drink the whole, the whole bottle. Be moderate. Go in the middle, in the middle path. So, but when we know from this parasha that the permitted things and acts have boundaries and restrictions. So this is the, what the Arizal is trying to tell us. Like, don't feed your animal soul so much. Don't feed your ego so much. This is what hametz represents. That's why in Pesach we're so careful with, with not eating any leavened foods because leavened foods represent the ego. The more you feed it, the bigger it gets and the harder it becomes for you to have free choice because then you're gonna be stuck to your animal soul and you're gonna be following that animal wherever he goes and you're gonna be doing everything that animal wants. It's pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. It's a pleasure-seeking uh, entity inside of you. So, so th this is what the Arisal meant in his statement. One who is vigilant concerning even a trace of Hametz on Pesach is guaranteed not to sin the entire following year. Hametz represents the ego. And, uh, and, and this is what it is. So to have free choice, really, free will, free choice, doesn't come in the moment that you are uh, confronted with a situation. At that moment, you have no free choice. You're going to react according to your nature, to where you are in your life. Uh, and this is what, it, what he's saying. What he's saying is that our reactions in life are, pre are predetermined, already depending on where we are standing. It is in our everyday inner struggle 
that we define the outcome of our actions and occurrences. So when we commit an accidental fourth sin or an unintentional or inadvertent sin, we must really do some deep soul searching and look at where we are lacking in our lives. We must be asking ourselves, this is a wake-up call in which you should reevaluate yourself by asking, who am I? Where am I? Physically, mentally, spiritually. Where do my interests are? What is important for me? What, uh, what, where do I focus my day on? Where are my thoughts? And what am I thinking all day? What am I reading? What am I looking at? And this is what it is. And, 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 and once we have failed, Hashem always gives us second chances to correct ourselves and forgive us. But the Arizal's approach is a preventive approach. You know, today there's a lot about preventive medicine. This is a new concept in the world in which people are becoming more mindful of their, of their lifestyle, how, what they eat, how they eat, how much they eat, if they're exercising, if they keep a certain type of life, it's guaranteed to them that most likely they're not going to get certain diseases like diabetes, like uh, lung cancer, all these things, depending on your lifestyle, you'll have less chances to develop these things and you're going to have a better life. A, 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 a healthier life. So the Arizal's approach is this. It's, it comes, imagine, so many years ago in which the Arizal is saying in a spiritual sense, be careful on, 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 on Pesach. It's a booster shot for the year. It's going to give you strength. It's going to make your divine soul strong. And when your divine soul is strong, then the animal soul has no control over you. And this is the free will. is to be in the day, in the struggle, giving food to the divine soul, making your divine soul stronger so your animal soul is not going to bother you so much. So, so this, once we have accomplished this, we are blessed to be protected from failing without even knowing. We, we won't fall into this category. Hashem will take care of us. So there's a good story that I read that I like. Uh, that explains this uh, concept and it's a, a story about uh, Rabbi Shmuel Munkes who was in Afabrengen uh, held in the early years of the Chabad Hasidim and they were dancing and they were in the Fabrengen and suddenly they brought this sholent with a, with a piece of meat inside and he was very happy and very joyful and he got the pot of cholent and he started dancing around the room with this pot of cholent and, um, and the other Hasidim, after a while, they were getting annoyed because they wanted to eat. They were smelling it, they, they were, their mouth was watering. They really wanted to indulge in this delicious food. But Rabbi Shmuel Munkes wouldn't let go of this pot. And when they started going after him, he just dropped it into the floor and the whole thing broke and they couldn't eat that meat. So they were all so upset at him. And at that moment, the butcher came running in and he said, where is the cholent? Where is the cholent? And he said, I'm sorry, I dropped it into the floor. And he says, thank God, thank God, thank God. And he says, why do you say that? He says, because the, the wife, the wife of the shohet, of the man that, that um, killed the cow, uh, took a piece of meat that was not kosher and she, that's the piece of meat she cooked into this cholent and uh, it was a mistake and thank God we realized it was a mistake and you didn't eat it. So they all asked um, Rabbi, Rabbi Muntis 
how did he know? How did he know to drop this pot into the floor? He says, you know what? I didn't know, but I worked very hard on myself not to be uh, attracted so much to the physicality of the world. I, I worked very hard on me that a piece of meat is not gonna water my mouth. And when this meat came into the room, it was too tempting. And then I saw that it became too tempting to everybody. And I said, this is not normal. It's something that is so tempting is really not normal. And that's why I, I dropped it because I didn't like that it was so tempting. I, I, there's something wrong because I work very hard on myself never to be so tempted and this was bigger than me. And when I realized this was so tempting to everybody in the room, I said, this is, there's something wrong here. And that's why I dropped it. So we are not in the level of Rabbi Munkes and maybe we will never be in that level, but we can have this in our minds that when something is so tempting, so tempting, you know, Maybe you shouldn't have it. It's not, it, it's permitted, but you know what? We don't need it. Think always like that. Think, do I need it? Do I need it? That's the, the mentality of a Jew. Do I need it? Not do I want it, do I need it? So I leave you here. I wish you a blessed week and remember, live a little higher. Thank you. Thank you.